Hello, phenomenal woman. Welcome to a very special episode of the Barnes Boss podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day so far, whatever you're doing. I've had such a powerful week this week with the most incredible women who are jumping into the next level in their life and their career, and it's been amazing. It's Friday evening as I'm recording this, and I'm about to have a relaxing bath and a glass of red wine ahead of the bank holiday weekend. A few days ago, I recorded recorded this podcast with Adele who is a phenomenal confidence and career coach who helps women pursue a career they love and we covered so much in this podcast seriously from finding your purpose, failing, conquering fears, transitioning smartly, finances and discussing whether you should make your hobby your career Honestly, we went so deep, we were so open, and we had so, so much to share with you. So if you're in a place right now where you know you're not supposed to be, maybe you're considering starting a business, but you're not sure of how to transition from where you are now into that business, you might be embarking on a complete career 180 and wondering how to pivot and what to do next. And maybe you just know you're not happy where you are, but you just have no idea what the next step is. Wherever you sit within all that, there's practical advice and support for you in this podcast so please please listen and absorb it all and take notes and do whatever you need to do to take that next step and please remember to take a screenshot and tag us with your takeaways so Adele's Instagram is in the description and also share this with your ambitious friends who know there's something bigger and better and more fulfilling out there for them because this will really help them if you want more support on taking your next step you can head to mine or Adele's Instagram page and drop us a message we're always open to answering questions questions and we say this in the podcast as well so please feel free to reach out to us and if you want more information about my exclusive mastermind for ambitious women who are ready to level up in their life and career follow the link in the description of the podcast and you'll find more information in there or you can drop me a message on instagram but please get settled wherever you are listen close and really enjoy this podcast but- Adele is a career and confidence coach. She's a self-proclaimed career rule breaker, helping women through their career transitions by giving them the support, skills and confidence needed to ditch their nine to five and to pursue a career they love. Her clients get dream roles, start incredible businesses and get insane pay rises. She's an absolute powerhouse and we are kindred mindset souls. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Oh, that was such a nice intro. I absolutely love that. And yes, we are literally kindred spirits. When you speak, I feel like you're in my brain sometimes. Like insane. I literally just said that on my Instagram story. So just to give a bit of a context, Adele and I are on a business mastermind together. So we have a call every week and it's been four months. Yeah, four months. It's gone so quickly. And so we all take turns and we talk about what we're going through, what we need support on, what's going well, what's not going well. And whenever Adele speaks, I feel like she says everything that I've got to say. So then by the time it gets to me, I'm like, well, Adele's already said everything that I wanted to say. And then when I'm talking, I can just see Adele nodding like on the screen always literally you start speaking I'll be like yes I wanted to say that as well (laughs) and I was thinking that I feel like we're so similar in like the way we logically attack things and yeah and then like we're a little bit introverted so I feel like that makes a massive difference even though no one ever believes I'm introverted but yeah I feel like that makes things like the logic and the introversion together makes us overthinkers yeah definitely (laughs) 
definitely <laughs> and i think having a logical and more strategic yes. mindset you want an answer for things and you want to know why things happen in a certain way and you use past experiences to determine current experience and that's I think what we both do like if it happened like that last time it must happen like that again and that yeah for me it's like a logical response like I, I will test something and if it's happened once then it's probably gonna happen again and if it happens twice then I'm like well yeah this is the rule now I, but, <laughs> but then on the other side of things I'm like no it's fine like and I, I feel like we really relate on that yeah. side of things just the strategy and the fact that we always want to do something we always want the answer and then we go yeah. Plus the answer, then we go. And I think sometimes <laughs> that sometimes maybe it's a little bit more masculine. That's what someone told me. The yes. energy is yeah. a little bit more masculine. And I feel like that myself. Do you ever feel like that? Yeah. So I was so interested. I was speaking to my friends. We went to a spa day the other week and we were talking about the podcast we listen to and self-development and that kind of thing. And I've noticed recently that I'm really drawn to podcasts and interviews that are either the interviewer or the interviewee is male and then when I tell people what podcasts and things that I listen to or what books I'm reading they're all male dominated and then it's only when I've started telling people I notice like actually I'm, I'm talking about like women a lot but actually a lot of what I consume is male dominated and then from that I realized actually I have quite a masculine energy in how I approach things that's been quite a recent realization Same. I like I think I really started to realize it um back in little sort of May June time and I was like same with you most of the books I read I, I have books by women but most of the books I read are male-led books most of the way I consume content and the way I like to consume it is very masculine led. It's very strategy driven. It's very go, go, go. And actually, the, obviously coaching, you start to realize you do need the balance. You need the feminine and the masculine. But the way I learn and the way stuff resonates with me tends to be the strategy, the logic and the masculine energy. And I realized that I lead with masculine energy. So yeah. I had a coach that was actually helping me balance it out because I wanted to just understand and tap more into a little bit of my feminine energy and understand a little bit of why I lead with the masculine energy. Yeah, um, yeah it's been really eye-opening, but I've started to embrace the fact that even though I lead with masculine energy, there are so many women who are just like us and yeah. lead in the exact same way that we lead in. And it doesn't mean that we don't have the feminine energy. It's just the way we learn. And I think that has been really important for me to just identify and accept actually the way I learn is okay yeah. and there are so many other women that lead with masculine energy and that's all right <laughs> and do you think do you think it's having that masculine energy that's allowed you to get where you are now or actually what is your journey because I don't actually know what your journey is so I will I will tell you so yeah I 100% think it has been the masculine energy so for a long time I was I think before the masculine energy kind of kicked in I was a people pleaser so went through school and did everything I was supposed to do. Always been the girl who does what she but follow the rules. Never been a rule breaker until now. Always followed the rules. <laughs> did what my parents told me to do. Did what the teachers said you're supposed to do. Got good grades. Um, went to college. In college was where I started to feel like, I don't know if I want to go to university. But everyone was like, but you're getting straight A's. You've got A's in your A-levels. And I was like, yeah, but... I don't know what I want to be. You keep asking me, what am I going to be? And I don't actually have an answer. And I remember everyone saying, you have to make a decision. You have to make a decision. 
go to university, you're picking a degree, which you're basically saying, this is what I'm going to do. And that's all I kept hearing at the time, not understanding that just because I did a degree didn't mean that I'd have to do that forever. But in my mind, I started to feel like, but what if I change my mind? And what if I don't want to do something forever? And that's where I feel like college was the place where I started to really explore who I was. And I started to push the boundaries. My mom said, you have to go to university. And I said, yeah, I'm not going. And we maybe argued and we, she didn't speak to me. And it, like my mum was, I did everything I was kind of supposed to. And I always wanted her to be proud. And I still do. But that was really the first time where I was like, no, I'm not. And she said, well, if you don't go to university, you're going to have to get a full-time job. I was like, all right then. <laughs> I think she didn't really think I was going to get the full-time job. But what I did instead was I decided to study an NVQ in childcare as well as, so I stayed in college a little bit longer. I did my A-levels and then I did an NVQ in childcare. But during that, it turned into an apprenticeship. So I was able to work four days a week, do my college work one day a week. And then the rest of my time was just me trying to figure stuff out. I had a job in Sainsbury. So I was working in the nursery. I had a job in Sainsbury and I was a nanny. So I had three jobs all at one time. I loved it. I started making a lot of money. Then I was like, right, I'm buying a car. By the time I was 17, 18, I bought my first car, like cash myself. So I think that was where my masculinity kicked in. And also I've got this thing where because my mum had said no and she had basically said to me, you're going to be a failure, I wanted to prove that my way was going to be the right way. And I, I had this need to prove it. And that's validation. And to be honest, you don't need outside validation, but my validation was me proving that I could do it regardless of going to university. So I had these three jobs, <laughs> did that for a little bit. Um, then I went to night school and I actually did a HNC, which is like a qualification in between A-levels and your degree, where it can help you like miss a year of your degree if you want and go into uni. Again, I feel like I did a little bit of that to please, even though I was trying not to. So I did that. I then studied accounting, which I absolutely hated. But I was like to my mum, see, see, I'm doing something else. I dropped out. Honestly, like my, my, my brain at that point was in this place where I really just wanted to do what I wanted to do, but I also wanted to please. So I did those things as well. I finished the management qualification, which was great, but I never finished my accounting qualification. <laughs> um, and then I kind of went into childcare. I was in childcare for nine years. I worked my way up and I was a nursery manager. I was a nursery manager for years. I became a nursery manager at 19. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, so basically, this is me. This is the masculine energy. I learn, I go. I learn, I go. I learn. And I would pay attention at work and be like, right, okay, I've got a childcare qualification. How can I now be in charge? Like, I always wanted to be leading. I always wanted to support people. And I moved up really quickly. Um, at 19, I was managing a nursery. Um, well, I was deputy manager. Then I moved into management. Had my daughter. And that was my next turning point. I was like, I love childcare and I love what I do but I'm not loving it as much anymore mm. but I was at a point where that's what I was qualified in that's all I knew how to do I'd been doing it for nine years and then suddenly I had my daughter and was like I don't want to do this as a job I want to go home and be a mum and do childcare and enjoy it but I don't enjoy it as much because I'm doing it all day at work and then I have to come home and do it it felt overwhelming mm. and then I was like I want to do something else and I think that was my massive career moment where again everyone said to me you can't. The only thing you're qualified to do is childcare. You never went and got your degree. You have to, you've made your bed, lie in it. However, this time my mum was the only, so my partner, he was like, no, this is stupid. But my mum was the only person who said, I watched you 
do everything you've done the first time when I didn't believe you. She goes, I'm behind you 100%. She was the only person who said to me, I'm behind you. Do it now before you get so old that you don't want to do it. She was like, just go for it, full force. So I did. Started researching, figuring out what I could do. Decided I wanted to be in human resources and was able to rewrite a CV, do everything I needed to do, figure out a strategy. Went to my first interview, left crying because she basically told me, stay in childcare, you're awful. Um, but then after that, I know it was horrible. After that, I got my... I went to two more interviews, got offered both on the spot. Um, and then the rest is history. I've been in HR and recruitment ever since. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a bit of a long one, but that's my journey. <laughs> and then since then, I've transitioned into two other businesses. So I've opened up a first aid company, which I've had since 2013. And I also am a coach. <laughs> You're a superwoman. <laughs> Telling you, it's the masculine energy, and it's the the more someone tells me I can't do it, I'm a, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I think there's so many things in in your. I keep using the word journey, but it's just it's just the right word in your journey that people get stuck with, and I think a lot of what you a lot of your hurdles that you overcame, and you probably overcame quite naturally because of that energy and because the type of person you are. And I think they're the stumbling blocks that some people get stuck at and never move it forward. So the first thing would be the validation. This is something that I went through when I went through my career change. I did a complete 180. I'd spent about seven years building my event management career, working my way up, going back into uni, doing my degree, getting what I thought was the dream job. Like I spent all those years doing it. And then when I turned around when I was like 26 and said, I'm going to be a personal trainer, everyone was like, what? (laughs) And it was that validation. And I remember the people who were closest to me who knew how passionate I was about health and fitness and they knew how I got there and how much it meant to me and how interested I was in it. The people closest to me, they got it and they were excited for me. The people that not necessarily were not close to me because it was more family, but they weren't, they didn't know me in terms of like career. It was them that was thinking, and I know some people I work with and maybe my bosses were thinking like, this is insane. Like, how can you go from being someone who like was studious? Cause when you say you're going to be a personal trainer, people think, there's a stigma that comes with personal trainers to think it's for people who don't have an education, for people who aren't intelligent, for people who, it, 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 there's, a, there's a persona that comes along with that job and I did not fit that persona at all. Yes, and it's the same, same. same with childcare, they feel the same. They feel like in childcare, if you do childcare, you're not intelligent, mm. it's an easy option. I did an MVQ, so people were like, she must not have been smart enough to get a degree, but... I got all A's through school. School was always easy for me. School has never been hard. But yeah, I agree with you. People look down on you and that's when you question yourself, right? You start being like, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to. Yeah, and you don't want to be, you don't want to upset anybody. You don't want to be judged by people. And I think that's one of the stumbling blocks that people get stuck at. And they're almost, almost embarrassed. And I did go through that a little bit. I went from being quite proud to say like oh I'm an event manager I do events in London and I do and it, it sounds cool and it sounds, sounds good like, on paper. it's a good story to tell and then when someone asks you what you're doing you're like oh I work in a gym you know people judge you because of it and it can stop you so I feel like validation is a real big stumbling block what was the other one it's letting go of 
the work you've put in to get where you are that was one of the big things I had to work through and one of the big things that I that I think and that I hear people say oh but I went to uni I've spent so much more I'm still paying off my event management degree like yeah. all this time and I put all, it's the investment into what you're doing which I think puts people off from doing something else because it's almost like they feel like it was a waste of time or yeah. wasted all this money I wasted all this time I wasted other people's time and it's the guilt as well of letting that go and moving forward and I think that's one of the other things that stops people is that they almost don't want to feel like they've given up on everything that they've put in is that something that you felt that's definitely something that it is that I studied I did childcare. I put in nine years I was managing people I was at this really good place and then it's like you're just gonna throw it all away because that's what and even without other people saying it it feels like that it feels like how could you throw this away for something that you have no idea is going to work out you might throw all this away and it absolutely goes to crap. And to be honest with you, as much as I'm saying I made all these transitions, it took me a good six months from realizing that I didn't want to do the job anymore to actually committing to leaving the job because I went through all those feelings of, yeah, this isn't right. Like you've worked really hard. And then my partner at the time, my daughter's dad was very much like, you, you're just going to waste everything you've done. You're going to waste your qualification. You're going to, all this that you've done, you didn't go to, you didn't go to university because you decided this is what you wanted to do. And now it was all for nothing. And I remember going through those feelings of like, well, how can I just give it all up? What if I take the step and nothing works out? And I think the thing that really pushed me in the end was I was like, can I do this for another 30 years? Can I do it for another 40 years? And I was like, oh my gosh, no way. And then the other thing was, if it all goes to crap and I go and try something and it doesn't work, I can go back. If I've built this career over nine years, I can go, I'm, it's your safety net. But I think we forget that it can be your safety net. Like if you have got experience and, you're, and you've done all this work to become this thing, you're already that thing. I think our fear is that somehow if we leave and then go back, we're gonna have to start from the beginning again. But you never, like if you wanted to go back into events, you wouldn't have to start from the beginning again, but I think in our head, it's that belief that, well, you're going to have to start from the beginning. No, if you were good at something and you've been doing it, sometimes what I talk to my clients about especially is remind yourself that that's your safety net. If you go and try four other things and none of them work out, if you need to make money, you can always use that to make money while you explore your other interests. I think that's so important. But that's, it took me six months. It wasn't something where I was just like, I'm leaving now I've been thinking about it and again like with that logical thinking I was like there has to be steps and during that six months I started saving I started doing small things but I still didn't have the guts to tell people that I'm gonna give up everything and actually when I did leave I actually didn't tell anyone even the people closest to me except for my mum for a really long time so people thought I was still going to work at the nursery and I'd actually started my career career in HR recruitment but nobody knew for a little while because I was like I'm gonna wait two months to make sure I really like it before I tell you're worried about what people are gonna say to you and what's the value and, and that's the thing no matter people have to understand when you make the transition you're not suddenly not going to need validation if you it 
people, I think people think, oh my gosh, you did so well, you changed career, you didn't care. I cared. If I didn't care, I wouldn't have been hiding it. But the truth is, I cared more that I didn't want to do something I hated for another 20, 30 years. And I think people don't understand that actually the fear doesn't go, the need for validation doesn't all automatically go, but you just have to learn to move through it. And I think once you move through it, it didn't even take me two months. I told myself I was going to wait two months, but within like four weeks, I was like, I don't even care now. I'm just going to start telling people. So I told my best friend and I told people, but there was still that thing where when people would ask me, what's your job? I would think like, oh my gosh, I left being a manager of a nursery. And now I'm just like in recruitment at like a system level. So that was the thing I had to take a little step back first. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just at assistant level. Do you know like how embarrassing that is? Like I'm a mum now, I've got my daughter. Like people are just going to be like, that was silly, wasn't it Adele? So you still feel like you need it, the validation. But like I said, you just take each day as it comes. You have to keep moving through it. Um, and I think the good thing was me. I had a plan to move up really quickly. And within like, I think it was five weeks, I was, they'd moved me to a senior consultant. And I was like, yes. <laughs> exactly. But I was like, yes. I was like, and then it was like, well, I'm a senior consultant now. But again, it was that need for validation. And I think having a good strategy and having a good plan is helpful if you are that person who feels like you struggle with the validation. I think yeah. having that plan helps. And I think for people in that position, if you're going from someone who, a bit like where I was in my job, I was quite proud to say that I did what I did and I had a lot of prospects, even the the person of the company that I left. I'd, I'd not been there that long because I'd kind of worked my way up to that position in that new company. And then within three months, I had a breakdown and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And he actually took me out for lunch, the owner of the company. And he was like, you're going to go far in this company. You're going to go up like I knew you are. And I knew he was trying to make me stay. And I just knew in me, like I, I had to go. And I think we did get a question as well about finances and taking the hit. I think you have to leave your ego at the door. Yes. You have to be able and be willing to be a beginner again, if you're going into a new field. And the thing is as well is when it comes to, leaving behind what you've built up you're not leaving it behind because all the skills that you learn doing that job you take with you the transferable skills the communication skills the organization skills the people skills whatever it is not waste because you take it with you and you use it again you just use it in a different way and I think that as well that people don't think about but you still have to be willing to go into this new place and be like I don't know what I'm doing I'm completely winging this. Yeah. And if you want it enough, like you have to just make it work. I took on my first personal training client with me, nowhere to train them. I didn't have a gym. I didn't have any stuff. I got a message on Facebook. Will you train me? Yeah. And then you figure it out later. I move through it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, as much as fear can hold you back, fear will also give you a kick up the bum. Because Mm. when you say yes to stuff, you're like, Okay, now I'm scared. I've got to figure it out. I have to figure this out really quickly. And I always say to people, use the fear energy in the right way. Fear can either hold you back or it can kick you up the butt and be like, okay, I've just thrown myself in, jumped in both feet. Now, now I'm scared. I'm scared enough that I have to figure it out. And it triggers your brain to be like, you have to figure it out. And I love that you said that you take your skills with you. I think that's so important because the fact that I had been a manager, the fact that I'd been at that level meant that I was so good at strategically planning stuff and operations that when I got into the new job, 
I did everything that I knew I needed to do to move up quickly. That's why when people say to me, oh my God, you went into a new industry and you moved up within four or five weeks. How? Because I had so many skills. As much as you go in as a beginner, being a beginner means you're open to learn everything. Mm-hmm. But I had the skill set to understand how companies ran because I'd worked in companies. It doesn't matter the industry. I brought all those skills with me and were able to use them and transfer them into helping me move up quickly, mm-hmm. helping me get where I wanted to be quickly. But exactly what you said, people think, oh my gosh, you've done all this, you're just throwing it away. You're not. It's, it's your stepping stone. It's your <laughs> in my brain again actually it's so true everything's building you up to where you're going and I don't know if that's a bit more of like a spiritual thing but I do genuinely believe that that everything that you go through and everything that happens to and with and around you is just getting you ready for that next thing so you will use those skills again you will use those experiences again you will fall on your face but it will be a good thing because that's what you learn from yes 100%, 100%, literally 100%, like nothing is wasted. I believe the same thing. Nothing you do is wasted. Even the stuff, like there's stuff I've studied, like even accounting, I studied it, never finished it. Oh, I'm actually really good with numbers. Mm. So at my job, they will get me to, I do payroll and I do things that I do not like numbers one bit, but I'm good at them. And that's another thing. Sometimes you can be skilled at something that you don't enjoy. Mm. And that happens to a lot of people. That's why they don't like their job. They're really good at it, but they're confused because they're like, but I hate it here. But it's because just because it's your skill doesn't mean you have to do it. I'm good with numbers. Like, I think it's also because I like money. <laughs> I'm good with numbers. Like, if you give me some figures, I can probably work stuff out really quickly. Even sometimes if I see a math problem, I don't understand how to do it. I can, if you give me the answer, I can work backwards and figure out how someone got to that answer. So, mm. Doing the accounting actually helped me because when I then was in management, they were like, when they were teaching the accounts, I was like, oh, you do this, this. And they were like, wow, how do you know? But because I'd done, even though it was only like six months, I'd done six months of accounting, everything you learn feeds everything else. You just got to start to look for it. That's so important to know in your career journey for sure. I think that links us quite nicely onto purpose because one of the questions that I got, um, identifying the difference between like your skills and something you're passionate about and I think this links to purpose passion and direction but also to hobbies and whether you should make your hobby your job because I think this happens with a lot of people they discover something that they enjoy it doesn't necessarily mean that you can make a living from it so it's like how do you work out what is your life's purpose and then transition that into a career or a number of careers because I don't believe that you should just have one career um how do you do that and how do you differentiate between something that you should just do for you and something that you should do for money and I think that's where people get confused so my thing is everything you do that you enjoy you can't make money off most things you do you enjoy you can probably make money off but the problem is if you do things that you enjoy just because you enjoy them like for instance I enjoy cooking Mm-hmm. The thought of cooking on a massive scale for loads of people, I will cry. Like I couldn't do it every. I couldn't peel potatoes every. I hate peeling potatoes. I couldn't do those type of things every day. I couldn't be in a kitchen every day sweating. Like I like my eyelashes done, my nails done, my hair done. Sometimes you have to think of it in that way. Like yeah. can I be in a kitchen all day? Like no, I can't be in the kitchen all day. Like I, my eyelashes will fall into the food. <laughs> my hair extensions, no. Like they're gonna want me to tie them up. So it is sometimes differentiating between okay, this is my passion. Mm-hmm. If I had to do it every day, does it firstly feed into my skill set? 
my strength and would it be something I would enjoy every day, 40 hours a week? Would I want to? That's the difference. Your hobbies sometimes, you like them because they're your escape. Mm-hmm. Not even escape, because I don't necessarily like the word escape, but you like them because they're separate from yeah. your work. And don't get me wrong, some people turn what they love. Like I've got a friend who is a hairdresser, does extension, became amazing at extension, but enjoys doing that. And, t- and she just did it on the side. She used to do our hair. Just She didn't do it as a job. It was just doing our hair bit here and there. She now runs her own salon and is doing amazing. So she turned what she enjoyed into her career. That doesn't happen for everyone. And the thing is, sometimes, you, sometimes, and this is really important, sometimes you have to try something out to realise it's not for you. You're not always going to have the answers. People always are like, oh, I need the answer first. You can't always have the answer first. Sometimes you need to go and experience it and then be like, never would I do this. And honestly, if it's something that isn't for you, you tend to know within the first two weeks. And that's the honest truth. And when it is for you, when you step into your purpose, and you probably know this when you started personal training, when you step into that next role that is for you in that moment, it's like, oh my gosh, why have I not been doing this forever? Like when I stepped into HR, the first end of the first week, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I was meant to be doing always because it's like it opens up something inside you that's like, I enjoy it, I'm good at it, and I make money. Those three things together are like the beautiful trifecta that you don't always get. (laughs) And I think it's so important to understand that your purpose isn't a job. No. And this is definitely what I've experienced. So I thought when I went into personal training, I thought my purpose is to be a personal trainer because I love this so much. And then I went through what you were saying before, like, and I've recently pivoted into a different space. I've like moved away from fitness a lot and into a different space because what I then realized is realistically, when I'm going into my 30s, do I want to be standing in a gym for 15 hours a day? No. You know, do I want to travel? Yes. Do I want to live abroad? Yes. And then you start having to have to align it with like your personal goals and your personal wants and what you want from your life. And you have to try and align the two. And then what I realized from that is my purpose isn't to be a personal trainer. My purpose is to help women. Yes. My purpose is to help help women achieve live a life that they love in a healthy way and that might manifest it that manifested itself at that time in personal training it's manifesting itself now into a different style of coaching it might manifest itself in the future in a different style of coaching or a different kind of job so your purpose isn't the job no if you look at what you enjoy in the job I say to everyone look at all your jobs what was the thing you enjoyed most what was the thing you got carried away with for me, it's exactly the same. I enjoy helping people. When I was in childcare, not only was I helping children and le- helping them learn and develop, and I enjoy teaching. That's the other thing. I, I feel like I'm a teacher. Um, I loved teaching, but I also used to support the parents a lot. So there was, there was times when I had to do cases like for abuse and domestic violence and things like that. But I supported the family so much. I like helping people who achieve what it is they want in their life when I went into recruitment and HR my favorite part was talking to people and then getting them the job and then being so excited and they'll be like oh my gosh I can't believe you helped me and did it and I'll be like oh of course that's what I'm here for or surprising people helping people I'll say to them right you need to go for this much money and when you go in that interview you need to make sure that you ask for it and then they'll be like oh my gosh you just helped me get 10k more and I'd be like yes because why was you short selling 
myself. That's helping people. And now as a coach, I help people. So I just feel like people don't understand that your purpose isn't the job, but your purpose is the part of the job that triggers the happiness in you. The yeah. part of the job that lights you up, that's yeah. your purpose. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's where people get confused because they yeah. focus on the job. Yeah. They focus on the the underlying purpose and the underlying feeling and I think people need to start and I understand that people are in different situations people are in different financial situations it is easier for some people than others but you have to be willing to I listened to something and they referred to it as lily padding Oh yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you, you see, yeah. to like hop from job to job to job position, and it doesn't mean you're a jack of all trades. It just no. means you're doing a bit of trial and error. You're finding different things that you like, and you know you should. We change as people as we grow, and I think this is something I talk about a lot, and people need to understand a little bit better and just allow themselves to change. Like your fashion changes, your taste buds change, your relationships change. Like you change as a person as you get older. Of if you, it's not natural to have the same job forever because you're a different person. And that's okay. And I feel like people, that's the thing we're not taught. We're taught at like 16, especially in the UK, figure out what you want to do, go to college, then at 18, pick your degree, and that is what you are going to use forever. Imagine at 18, the things you thought you were going to, like the boys you thought you were going to marry at 18 and the things you thought you were going to do. There is no way 18-year-olds can decide their entire existence. But you're drummed, it's drummed into you so much that that's the only way. And actually, exactly what you said, you change at every point in your life. One of my biggest changes was 24 years old because I had my daughter. Mm. And that changed me. The person who I was, she literally disappeared and I became a whole new human. And now a mom of a teenager <laughs> that's a whole nother transition and those things different things in your life trigger different qualities in you mm. and once those qualities start coming bubbling up in a lot of us they need to come out the only difference is the people that push through the fear and are like okay I'm gonna have to go with it like when I transitioned into coaching it was like how, why is, I kept thinking to myself why is this a thought how is this even happening but then it was bubbling up inside me and I was like this is the next step and it was scary but again it was the move I was like I'm gonna do it regardless so I think it's just tapping into that and really understanding it so as a mom because I think this is really common and I've definitely noticed what I've had clients and there's people around me I'm getting to that age now where people having babies yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm definitely noticing and I think I think COVID had a lot to do with this. There's, I think there's more people than ever wanting to start their own business, wanting more freedom. They've had a taste of what it could, even though we didn't have freedom in terms of yes. we could go out. It was working from home. It was experiencing a different kind of lifestyle where you had a little bit more flexibility and more freedom and people are wanting to jump on that more. And I think what I've noticed, certainly in my circle, mm-hmm. is that new mums wanting to do something that allows them to spend more time at home with the kids, be more of a mum, but also be successful as well. So you're in a position where you became a mum and then you decided you wanted to pivot. So what did that, you said it took about six months. What strategically did that six months look like in you deciding and then preparing and then making the move? So for me, it was having a lot of conversations with a lot of different people, which sounds weird, but I wanted to really understand what quality people saw in me Mm. from a work perspective. 
So I spoke to colleagues. I was like, what is it that you think I'm good at? What, just randomly, I spoke to friends, but friends that I'd met at work. So mm. friends that really knew me through career and had conversations with them. I spoke to friends that didn't know me in career because I just really wanted to find out what the qualities were. And they tend to, to all be the same. They were like, oh, I come to you when I need, I've got problems. Like, you're, you're quite helpful. Like, you're really supportive. You, you're quite leading. Like, you're chatty when I need you to be chat. Like, you listen when I need you to listen. I, I needed that first and then I started saving that was a big thing for me um as a mum even though at the time I was still with my daughter's dad then security still feels really important just having them and having a job is your security and you, you're thinking about not just yourself but you've got a whole child like it's not like oh I can just run off and do what I want firstly I wanted to make sure she had a happy mum and the only way she was going to have a happy mum is if I wasn't feeling pissed off every time I came home from work. So I started saving and I started saving way more than I used to save. I was saving almost half my salary, literally saving almost half my salary and allowing her dad to do a bit more <laughs> financially. But um, there was a point when he wasn't around. But what I did was I started saving almost half my salary and I stopped doing the, you know, the extras. For those six months, like the going out and the eating out, oh, yeah, all the, the eyelashes, yeah, the nails. I, I literally stopped doing my nails for whole six months. I remember that I, I cut all my, my nails off, and I was like, I'm not doing the nails anymore. But all the little money um, that I had, I was putting it away and saving it, and it just made me feel good because it made me feel like if I leave tomorrow, I'm gonna be okay. Then I started researching qualifications. I was like, what do you need to be in human resources? And obviously loads of degrees, CIPD, that's the first thing that comes up. And I was like, well then, if I don't have that degree, how on earth am I getting into this industry? I started adding people from human resources on LinkedIn, started asking them questions, started finding out, like now I know that they're called informational interviews. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought, who can I ask? I don't know anyone, let me make friends online. I started talking to people so strategically started to understand and I used to make notes everywhere like I'm writing things down type of person so I would make notes like this person said you can try going in at entry level this person said this this and I, I literally started to plot out okay well if I go in at entry level I'm going to be earning this it's a massive difference from what I'm on how can I move up quickly to close the gap mm-hmm. Are there other roles? And I found out about recruiting. I found out that recruitment, like agency recruitment, was separate from HR, but it was a way to get into HR, but also you could earn commission. Mm. So you'd get a base salary and you could earn commission. I was like, oh, that might be a really good way to close the gap financially. Then I can leave recruitment, go into HR. So that was the plan. But it came from a lot of conversations, a lot of asking. And that's what I did during those six months. And even after all the research, even after all the information, I still wasn't ready. <laughs> but then there comes a day where you are like, you know what, I want to put, and it's okay to do the research and put it down for a while. So I put it down and left it for a month or so, and then went back to it and was like, yeah, I'm ready. This is what I want to do. And I was really lucky at the time, my, uh, one of the people I worked with, she became my mentor. And we were, and I think having a mentor or someone really supportive is really helpful. We used to just talk about, like, I didn't tell her I was going to leave the company, but we would, we would just talk about like where we could see ourselves in the future, where she could see me. The fact that I had moved my way up in childcare so quickly and she was just talking about that's a skill. That, that's a skill in itself. She said to me, moving up quickly is a skill in itself. Then it started having me thinking, well, if I could do it here, why couldn't I do it somewhere? 
So mentors are great at seeing in you what you may not see in yourself just yet. And giving you that confidence as well and giving you a different, it's perspective. It's all about perspective. And when someone else sees it in you, it gives you that boost. Like, actually, you know, can can I do this? And I think you putting yourself out there and building relationships with people and asking questions. If you're not doing that, if you're in a position, not even just for career change, but if you're wanting to pivot in some way, if you're wanting to learn something new, there's so many people out there who are willing to have conversations with you so many and I don't think we leverage people enough and I don't think we give people enough credit for how open and friendly they are and I get messages from quite young girls on Instagram being like I want to go into like fitness or I want to go into this and I don't know what I'm doing. like can I ask you some questions and I've got all the time in the world for those people because I just think if you're willing to reach out to someone and ask them questions then you're gonna go somewhere like you obviously care enough about yourself and about making a difference that you're willing to put yourself out there and ask questions like I did it when I was training when I was doing my personal trainer training I went to the gym and there was a personal trainer in the gym he was older than everyone else he was always busy he was really professional he was always running around everyone knew him he'd been there for years and he didn't have any social media. He was all word of mouth. He was really, po- he was just, he was he was popular and he was successful for being him and for being good at what he did. And he stood out from everyone else. And I approached him one day and I just said, can I shadow you in a session? Like I'm training to become a personal trainer. Like I've noticed that you're obviously really good. Can I shadow you? And he let me sit in on a few of his sessions. And I thought, that, that was terrifying for me as like a tiny little girl to go up to a big guy in a gym and be like, can I shadow your session? Um, but you have to put yourself out and you have to do those things and you have to show other people because you never know. That person could be the owner of a company that you could work for. You Like you never know who you're talking to. Exactly that. Networking is a thing where in that moment, they're helping you for right now you don't know who they are or who they're going to become and how they're going to maybe remember you because you reached out and then you then end up working with them or for them or you literally have no I love that you said that because my one of my bosses became my business partner in my first aid company and then now has been a client in my coaching business wow you you don't know when I met her she was just the boss that I went to work for who gave me a job so you don't know who someone will be and how they will impact your life but if you don't reach out to people and have conversations with people you will never know you'll just be on your own and then you really feel like you're out to sea on a ship by yourself that's how it feels when you don't reach out to people yeah no, definitely and I think there's in terms of reaching out to people as well I do think you have to I do think there's an etiquette about it I think <laughs> you know, following them, if it's on social media, you know, actually looking at the stuff first, finding out as much as you can without speaking to them first. Don't find them and then Um, message straight away and ask for all their time. Like there is an etiquette about it, but actually like there's so much free information out there. There's so many people who you've got direct access to that you wouldn't have maybe, I don't know how long Instagram has been around on Facebook, but you wouldn't have a few years ago. You've got direct access to some of the most successful people in the world. Literally that. Yeah, use it. And then you've got things like this, podcasts, 
that us they're so they're so big now use podcasts use youtube use the free resources and then reach out to people like there are so many things you can do mm-hmm. before you have to pay people to help you or before you there are other things you can do because i feel like sometimes especially because we're coaches do you ever feel like people think have to get a coach that's not what we're saying like it isn't necessarily you have to get a coach coaching is great obviously we wouldn't be coaches if we didn't think that but there are so many ways to get information and to learn and just like you said when people reach out to you it's not like you say to them all book a session like if I can help in a small way I will answer your question like I don't need you to book a session yeah I think that's what if you've got genuine if you've got genuine coaches if you can tell someone's a genuine person who loves their job their their first priority is to help people their second priority is to make money by doing what they love because you know we have to put food on the table <laughs> but, and that's the thing is you can reach out to people and if they're a genuine authentic person who loves what they do if they're in like a mentorship coaching kind of role they will help you without trying to sell you something you will yeah. get people who will or like oh. try and say you will get those people like those people exist but I think you can tell a lot by looking at people's feeds and what they're talking about and you can get it you can get a feel of how they are as a person yeah, we're not always trying to sell something like we're <laughs> like we're here to help people and I think encouraging people to reach out it's is so big, important yeah a hundred percent so when it comes to I'm just looking at the other question when it comes to them being in a position where you're going to try lily padding you're going to do the trial and error you've got your eye on something that you want to do next but you're in your nine to five you've got that security financial security whatever it might be how do you then balance making that transition what are the, some of the things that you would suggest a person do in that situation also oh, in the transition period like how to manage your time and stuff like that yeah, so if you're in the position where you're still in your nine to five, but you've got your eye on something else you want to start, you don't want to jump into it straight away. There's going to be an overlap period. Yeah, so I always say the first things you need to consider are, if it's a total industry change, mm-hmm. transferable skills. Just yeah. like we spoke about earlier, what skills have you got that can be used in the new job? That's mm-hmm. the first thing you do. When you're looking at jobs, do not, this is so important, don't disqualify yourself just because you haven't done it or you're not qualified. There'll be a list of 10 things, and I always notice people will go straight to, oh, it says desired three years experience. Okay, but let's read the rest. How many out of them 10 things do you hit? They'll usually hit seven, but say to me, oh, but it did say preferred qualification, Adele, so I can't, I can't apply. You, you can apply. So firstly, start looking at roles and also reading them really thoroughly and thinking, it, would, I be, would this be something I would be suited in? So start doing your research. Be willing to try things. So maybe you're going to research more than one thing. Like start doing your research. What feels good? What doesn't feel good? And um, I love LinkedIn. What I get people to do is um, write all your characteristics, so your personality traits. If you drop them into the top bar of LinkedIn, it actually randomly brings up loads of jobs. And then people say to me, there's stuff on here that I never even thought was like a thing I could do. And I'll be like, oh, they've never even heard of it. They're like, I didn't even know that was a job. I'll be like, yes, go on LinkedIn. So yeah, finding out, you can even drop it into Google, just saying what jobs would these skills be good in? And Google will give you answers and then you'll be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was a job. So I think that's really important. If you already know what you want to do, then you need to start looking at your CV. You need to start looking at, like I say to people, CV seems so irrelevant, but I say to people, your CV is you showcasing your highlight reel. 
if your CV is bland and just not there, then that sometimes means a lot about how you feel about yourself. Because mm-hmm. if you know you're you're great and you know you have all these qualities, then why wouldn't your introduction to someone show that? So I think that's really important. I did a lot of research on how to like let, like upgrade CVs and change CVs and stuff like that. Um, and then if you've been in your current job for a really long time, doing some interview prep. Like, cause if, like if you've been doing something, like someone said to me the other day, she's been doing the same thing for 11 years. She was like, I've got no idea what to say in an interview. And I said to her, it doesn't actually matter. What you should do is think of your first interview as a test. Mm-hmm. Just a test. You don't want that job, but you need to go and do it so you can figure out if, how you're going to be. And it's so funny when people get into that mindset, nearly every client I have, they end up getting that job because they weren't trying. They weren't, they just go, because I say to them, go with this agenda. We start talking about what questions to ask because you don't want to end up in a job that you absolutely hate. So mm-hmm. what questions to ask? We go in and I say, right, this is an in, this is a fact-finding expedition, nothing else. And because they go in with that mindset, they end up getting offered the job because they weren't overthinking it. And like, they weren't sitting there thinking, I need this job. And if you've been doing the same thing for 11 years, do not think that you need to jump ship and get the job immediately. Remember, you have a job. So going out to get a job shouldn't be that scary because if you don't get it, you still have a job. Unless you're one of those people who quits a job before you have another one, which I don't recommend. I've done it once. <laughs> but no, but you have a job. So the other thing would be um, managing your current job expectations. They're not going to give you time off every single week. So I tend to say to people, as you're getting prepared, block like three weeks from when you start to decide, block a week out. Mm-hmm. or like annual leave. So request a week's annual leave and then try and get all your interviews booked in that week because your current job isn't going to, you're not going to be able to go every week. Oh, I've got an interview tomorrow. Plus you might not want them to know you're leaving. So you're not going to say to them every week, I've got this, I've got that. So you need to plan out your diary. Mm-hmm. When are you going to take the time to be able to interview? When are you going to take the time to be able to put stuff together and put things in motion? Um, I'm a big believer in rem- reminding yourself that yes, you work all day and you might be tired in the evening, but giving yourself maybe an hour every other evening for the next month, it's not forever. And reminding yourself it's not forever. Yeah. If I give myself this hour to plan and prepare, it's going to make your job search so much easier and less stressful. Mm. I think that's really important, like in that transition period. <laughs> I think in terms of masculine energy, actually, I just want to go back to the interview because yeah. I, you know, I was prepping someone for an interview about two, maybe three weeks ago. And we've been talking a lot about mindset. Like we knew she had the skills. It was within the same company going for a promotion. They knew her. They knew she had the skills. It was her mindset. And something that I just wanted to say to people in terms of going into an interview is something that I coached her through was going in with the mindset that it's not one way. But they're not dominant. It's not like they're dominant and then you're, you're trying to, you're trying to give you a job mm-hmm. think of it as it's it's two-way they need to convince you while they, they deserve you in the company and just flip the power around slightly not in an arrogant way yeah. like it's but a book balance it out don't go in there thinking i need to prove myself i need to prove no that you they need to prove to you why they should have such a valuable asset in their company that's such a mindset. I believe that to be one of the biggest mindset hacks. Like, you mm-hmm. need to know. I always say you should be stepping in an interview saying, okay, you guys look good on paper, but I now need you to convince me that what I saw in that job advert 
was exactly what you have to offer. And then I'm going to let you know why my skills fit into what you are. Yeah, this is exactly what we did. Uh, yeah, once yeah. you switch that mindset around, you will become unstoppable. And yeah. you won't care as much about these people judging you. And you think, because sometimes you go in and you're like, oh my gosh, I just want to be good. I just want to be good. I just want to be good. No, are they good enough? Because sometimes that's how you end up in jobs you hate because yeah. you didn't think about whether or not they were good enough for you. Yeah. You just were like, oh, am I good enough for them? It's like a relationship. If you yeah. go into a relationship, is he good enough for me? Like, as well as, I'm, like, it has to be a two-way street, but stop giving away all your power and saying to people, I'm not that good. Please, please, please hate me. Because I also think that, I say to my clients all the time in an interview, it's like a mirror. Yeah. You will give off an energy without realizing it. And if you give off that really needy, I need this desperate job, it's so off-putting to people. Even though you're not saying the words, give mm. me the job, give me the job. It's almost like your energy is yeah. doing that. And it's like, I don't think I'm good enough, so please give me the job. They feel that. And then they're like, okay, well, if you don't think you're good enough, we won't give you the job. Yeah. Interviews are about, they see that I can interview sometimes like 20 people in a day. Mm. People that stand out to me are the people that I feel like, okay. You've got something about you. Oh, I'd love to have you here. And sometimes they're the people with the least experience. Yeah. But they come in there and there's something about them that makes me think, oh, I'm intrigued. Mm. I'm interested. Tell yeah, me more. I'm to you because the thing is, I mean, it depends on what position you're going. You can learn skills. You can learn systems. You can learn processes. Like, there's a lot of things that can just be learned. Yeah. But if, as a person, you don't have the kind of, like, fire for that job, and people will notice that. that. But yeah. also like valuing your time and having that self-worth. Like if you're going to spend 40 hours a week working for a company, they need to prove to you why why they, why what? you spend that much time there. Like yeah. it's all time that you're giving to them. So yeah. let them prove to you why you should give them basically half of your life. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> like it's a two-way street. And I think that's just something, I just wanted to say that just as a reminder for anyone going into that process going into that like interview scenario is to have that power yeah always all that power going in always 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 I think something from my experience that I wanted to let people know is if you've got a good relationship with the company you work in and they're supportive there's a good chance that they're going to support you with your transition so this is what happened with me so they knew that I was going to retrain I'd had a really good relationship with my managers. So I went to this, I went from my job, my event management job to a different event company, which is where it all went downhill. I then had a meeting with my old bosses because they took someone on to replace me who they ended up getting rid of. They wanted me back and we had a meeting and we negotiated, okay, I'm going to come back while I retrain. I help you recruit somebody in my position. I'm going to train them up. And then I'm going to go part-time and I'm going to leave. Perfect. We had that agreement. So if you've got a good relationship with your, and it was a small company, so it was easier. If you've got a good relationship with your management and they're going to be supportive of you, just be like, assess it first. And if you know it's going to be okay, have those conversations and negotiate a scenario that allows you to make sure that they've got somebody in place so that they don't end up losing out. Yeah. And then make sure that they're also in return are going to allow you to phase out of the job and into your new position. And that opportunity might be there for more people than 
than realize yeah because they probably haven't even thought like how good and it is comes down to how good is your relationship yeah. with either your boss or the company as a whole how good is your relationship if your relationship is awful and you know your company's awful don't yeah. even try it yeah. but if you've got a good relationship and I love the fact that you said you went part-time like first you've helped them find someone then you were going to go part-time and then you were going to transition now that is sometimes people don't realize you can go part-time in one job mm. do another job part-time if you don't like it then find another that's how you can get you can figure out was this a good move like you don't have to everyone's journey is going to be different everyone doesn't have to totally leave a job to go to another for me the leaving and going into it was only to do with the fact that I jumped in with both feet but I had that thought if I want to go back I'll go back (laughs) if if it all goes to shit I'll just go back so it kind of helps me a little bit like okay and I'm sure when you went back to your old company it probably made you feel like well I'm so valued here Mm. that if I left and everything went wrong I'm sure they'll make a roll-up for me like that's how you sometimes feel but they wanted me I think in the back of their minds they were expecting me never to leave leave. they gave me more money they let me try a little bit of both for a while and I think in their heads they were thinking that I was gonna be like you know what I'm just gonna stay but I knew that I wasn't going to but also it also wasn't easy going back into that job because I'd left to go somewhere else I'd failed because of personal reasons and I went back with my tail between my legs and being like I went I fucked it and now I've got to come back (laughs) while I try the next thing and it was you have to just be that was a completely vulnerable position to be in to to try something and then go back you you also just have to let yourself be vulnerable and put yourself in different let your ego go you almost you have to let your ego go people don't realize it's our ego that's holding us back because we're so scared of the judgment of other people and you've got to sometimes leave your ego at the door because that's how you're going to move up in your career like you letting go of your ego has Mm. gotten you where you got you into the PT world and Mm. now that's led you into coaching but if you hadn't left your ego at the door you might have ended up just fully stressed out yeah. continuing to be stressed out in this job that you absolutely hated yeah yeah definitely and I think you have to be willing to fail fear of failure Massive I think is one of the biggest things that holds people back the first thing I say to people when they say I'm scared of failing I, I just say to them well you're gonna mm. shall we just accept the fact that you're gonna fail even if you don't fail at the beginning even if you don't fail at the middle at some point you're gonna fail so can we let's accept that we're gonna fail what happens when you fail? And I think that's really important because we, if you're like me, I catastrophize things. So if I fail, it's going to be the worst thing in the entire world. <laughs> and I'm a coach and I'm saying that. Literally, I catastrophize everything. It's my personality. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this right, it's the end of the world. And then I tend to work backwards. So I go to the worst case scenario and then I slowly work backwards until I realize that it's never that bad. So I get people to write down, if you fail, what happened? Yeah. What genuinely happened? Because there's no point in you saying, if I fail, I lose my whole entire house. Do you? Do you have savings? Can you get another job? Can you go back to what you would? Like, let's be honest. What happened? And what does failure look like? Because we always talk about, what if I fail? But what does that mean? What, what does failure look like? And people don't even know. They'll say to me, I'm really scared of failing. Okay, but what does that mean? What, what does failure look like? So you need to ask yourself, what, do, what does failure look like for me? Because then sometimes you realise that actually you're not scared of failing. You're just scared of the unknown. Yeah. A lot of the time, the fear of failure is not a fear of actually failing. 
we've all failed in our life. You've taken driving tests unless you passed the first time. You've probably failed at that. We've all failed at something and our life didn't stop. But usually it's not the fear of failure. It's the loss of power, the loss of control, the need to be a beginner all over again that is causing you all this fear. So I always just say, start asking yourself questions. What is the, what, what am I gonna, what happens if I fail? What is failure? Can I correct the failure? So if I, if that happened, what would I then do? Because I also think, depending on how your mind works, if you're logical, if you can write down, right, if I fail at this, what could I do potentially next? I always feel like for me anyway, it makes me feel a little bit more, I'm like, okay, so if I did fail, potentially I could do this. It's not that I'm expecting to fail, but I'm just letting my brain calm down and I'm saying to my brain, well, if this didn't work out, we could always do X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And then if we did that, then that could lead to something else. And I think sometimes when you plan that out, you're like, okay, so actually, am I scared of failing? The failure isn't actually that bad. Take back the power. When it comes to fear of failure, accept that you're going to fail. Fail fast. Mm-hmm. It's really important. I say to people, fail fast. Get it out of the system. Once you've failed, you realise it's not the end of the world and you can move through it. But the more you hold on to the fear, the more you are. I literally feel like it holds you hostage and you stay exactly where you are. You don't go forwards and you don't go backwards. You're just stuck in this horrible place that you don't even like anyway. So I'm always like, if you're already not enjoying where you are, what then the what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah, what's the worst that's going to happen when you fail? You're going to feel the same. <laughs> it's not going to, and I, I think sometimes you need someone else to bounce that off of. When you say to someone, you feel crap now. If you try and you fail, you're still going to feel crap. So, so nothing's changed. You've not lost anything. You've not gained anything. But if you try and it goes well, then now you're going to feel better about yourself. And just trying, honestly, I say to people all the time, just trying makes you feel better. Trying sometimes makes you feel good about yourself. And even failing, it's not even necessarily a bad thing because if you fail, if you try something and fail at it, it tells you something about that thing. It either tells you, okay, I'm going to try this again in a different way or I'm done with that. I'm going to try something else. So actually, every time you fail, you feel like it's holding you back, but you're just getting one step closer to what you're, where you're trying to be. Because it's of elimination. Something new. Yeah. Failure helps you eliminate things really quickly. Like, oh, I, I failed, but I actually, if you fail and you feel like, I don't even care that I failed because I don't even like that, that wasn't for you. If yeah. you fail and you feel like, oh, but I really wanted that, it lets you know something that you really enjoy that job, but now you need to find a new strategy yeah. to achieve what you want. And I think that's really important. Like when I got into coaching, and people didn't reach out to me in the first week. <laughs> as far as I was concerned, I failed. <laughs> it also made me feel like, oh, but this is what I really want to do. It didn't make me want to run back to safety, which reminded me that this is the next step. And I kept going and kept going and kept going until I got that first client. But you sometimes have to fail. Like, sometimes you have to launch something. It has to not work out. Because then you realize, okay, that failed. But the thing I'm doing is still the thing I want to keep doing. Or... Yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to do this again. Like, I absolutely hate this. And now I'm going to try something else. Yeah, definitely. And I think in terms of failure, when it comes to mindset, I was listening to something a few weeks ago in the, and it was explaining that fear, we don't fear things. We're not actually scared of anything, like anything tangible. So we're not, we're not actually scared of failure. We're scared of the emotions that come along with the thing. So... The emotions that come along with failure is being judged. 
being embarrassed, feeling like you're not good enough, the validation. So the fear is not what you're scared of. So when you're doing the exercise of, okay, why am I scared of failure? Failure. Think about the emotions that come along with the failure. They're the things that you're actually scared of, but they're the things that you're going to be scared of with anything. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're just linking it to failure because this is the situation that you're in. It's gonna, they're the things that are gonna come up when you launch a business, when you record your first video, when you try and get your first clients. Those emotions are still gonna be the things that you're scared of. They're just gonna manifest in a different situation. Yeah. Even when you're doing well, you will still feel fear judgment. Even when you're doing good, you're you're fearing judgment if someone's like, for instance, people say sometimes, oh, coaching's not a real job. So you fit you might fear that judgment, but it's not because you're scared or you're not you don't believe in your coaching, it's just judgment. And you have to know that exactly what you just said. Like I love the way you put it. Fear is not the thing, it's not the fear, it's the actual emotion behind it. It's every other thing that you're thinking about is causing you to be scared. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with that. Like, I'm scared of spiders. They actually can't do anything to me, but I'm petrified. But what I'm scared of is I don't like how they make me feel. Like, they make me jump. They yeah. cut running out, and it makes me slip. Suddenly, I see this weird thing running across my house. It, it's that I don't want that feeling. So because yeah. I don't want that feeling, I walk around looking for them so yeah. that they can't jump out on me. But people don't realise that it's actually that feeling I don't like of being stuck, like being... It's almost like not being surprised. Like, I would hate a surprise party. I don't like, I'm scared of big surprises. So I think that's what it is. A spider running out surprises me. Whereas if I can see it on the wall as I walk into a room, I'm less scared of it. Because yeah. I physically, it didn't jump out of me. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm scared of roller coasters. I'm not, I, I will stand next to a roller coaster. I don't think it's going to attack me. I'm not scared of roller coasters. I'm scared of plummeting to my death on a roller coaster. That's what I'm scared of. the roller coaster. And I just do it. Yeah. So I think if you just take a step back and think, okay, what am I actually scared of here? Yeah. yeah. And, and you would be scared um, of plummeting to your death in any situation where you were really high up or like, it's not just the roller coaster. Anything yeah. that made you feel like you were going to, Dive. Yeah, like skydiving. Like I love skydiving, but you'd probably be like, why would anyone? Oh no, I've done a skydive. See, this oh is I'm, I'm, so I'm not scared of heights. I've done a skydive. I don't <laughs> like the feeling of being, I don't like the whooshy feeling in my stomach. That stomach makes feeling. Sense. Okay, that I get. Okay, the stomach thing I actually don't like. Hmm. But I like roller coasters because they turn me upside down, and I don't know there's something about being upside down that is really, really fun. Um, but yeah, I do get what you're talking about, the stomach thing. But skydiving, people don't realise this, but you don't get that stomach thing when yeah. you jump out of the plane. It's absolutely awesome. But yeah, I'm so surprised you don't like roller coasters when you went skydiving. I would have thought that the two things would not I think the roller coaster thing comes from my childhood because I remember my mum never let us on them. Ah, uh, so, yeah. But, she started the whole roller coaster thing. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm scared of bungee jumping. I'm not scared of heights. I'm not scared of jumping out of planes. I'm not scared of parasailing, but I won't go bungee jumping. That's what I've always said, but I am supposed to be doing one next month. You've got to tell me if you do it and what it's like. No, I'm scared. I'm scared. I think that bungee jumping is plummeting to your death. And what if you hit your head? I'm like, what if I hit my head? Obviously, you're not going to hit your head, but in my mind, I'm going to hit my head and die. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to swing into the thing. <laughs> or the, like, the cliff. Oh my god, yes, no, I, bungee jumping's like the only thing yeah. I'm like, 
I'll do it. I'll do it. I've always said, I've always said, I'll do a skydive. I'll do most things. I will never bungee jump, but I am supposed to be doing one next month. So I'm quite like, if you do it, you have to let me know how it goes. If you do it, I might be brave enough, but I don't think I will. I still can, uh-huh. Even us talking about it, I'm starting to feel a little bit warm. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love this. That is so good. I could talk about this all day. I was thinking that I was like, we are literally just going for it. But I'm gonna just do like a last final top tips. If you were speaking to somebody now who's in a position where they're not happy in their job, they know they want to do something else, mm-hmm. but they're fear yeah. of scared of making the move. What's the what's the one piece of advice you'd give them that you would think would be the most effective thing to give them the confidence to make a move. If you stay where you are, you are guaranteed to hate what you're doing forever. You already hate it. You're guaranteed to hate what you do forever. So can trying anything, something else be any worse than hating what you do for another 30 years? That's probably what I would say to someone if that's what they were doing. Um, Yeah, that would be my first thing. Love it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it. And I hope you were educated, inspired and empowered to make your next move in your life and career. Genuinely, Adele and I live for this. We love working with women just like you so much that we we took those risks that you're thinking about and we face those fears that are scaring you now and we walked away from our livelihoods to make this our career and regardless of how difficult it may be, regardless of how scary it was, regardless of now the the difficulties we've faced with owning and growing a business, it's been so worth it and we're living our purpose and it's it's an absolute dream so please please reach out if you've got any questions or want to chat with either of us we're so open to talking about this have an amazing day do not lose sight of your dreams please 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 do not lose sight of your dreams and I will see you in the next episode bye